Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, purveyors of a very healthy and excellent tasting alternative to your usual boring protein bar. If you're looking for something a little on the sweeter side that has the consistency of more like a candy bar per se, check out BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for your first order and get $10 off. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for $10 off your first order. If you're a new listener to the podcast, be sure to like and follow on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be continuing our 2012 NHL entry redraft. The first couple of episodes talked about like the first eight or nine picks, and then last episode we talked about who the Jets could have gotten at ninth overall. Tonight's episode is going to simulate what could have happened if the Jets had all of their original top 10 picks or whatever, uh, you know, for the rest of the teams go through, including True to Winnipeg, and then kind of look at, at each of the successive rounds that the, the Jets ended up picking somebody, who could they have had at that same pick in, in like an alternate timeline? My general feeling is that about a third of the best players in the 2012 draft actually went much later than the first round, which means there's a lot of interesting talent that the Jets could have had, and, you know, what would this team have looked like? A big what-if in this draft, because when you think about it, Winnipeg really didn't get a whole lot past uh, Jacob Trouba and Connor Hellebuck, which, look, two NHL-caliber players, both of them on the high-end side of things, out of four or five picks, I think people would be very happy with. But when you look at the talent that was available in this draft, and specifically the level of talent that came in the later rounds, I think you could imagine that maybe Winnipeg whiffed on more than one or two of these picks. I mean, think about this second round pick, which we'll start off with, which was uh, Lucas Sutter. We've talked about Lucas Sutter before, but this one definitely hurts a lot for a variety of reasons, and I think the first one is that this dude never really made the NHL. Uh, Sutter, unfortunately, has bounced around a couple of minor leagues and some, like, collegiate programs, but he basically was uh, DOA for the Jets as soon as he was drafted. I think the family name carried with it a ton of weight in this draft pick, and that ended up kind of sinking whatever Winnipeg's assessment of him was going to be. I think that they were expecting somebody in the typical Sutter family mold, but Lucas unfortunately just didn't have that level of talent. And, you know, once you get drafted in the second round at 39th overall, the expectations on your shoulders become pretty pretty weighty, and I feel bad for him in a lot of respects because here's a guy who was expected to be one of the early breadwinners of the Jets franchise, and instead he goes down in infamy as one of the worst picks of all time for Winnipeg. So, kind of going in order, based on the names that were left, who could the Jets have gotten? And I think the first one that I immediately, you know, springs to mind is probably going to be Jakob Slavin. Slavin was taken at 120th overall in the fourth round by Carolina. There's literally no way that you can pass him up, especially given the fact that I think Slavin is one of the best defensemen in the NHL, and, you know, he's on the board in the fourth round. He's going to be available in the second round. And yes, the number of names left are actually pretty good, but Slavin is a cut above pretty much everyone else bar one more guy who's going to be our next pick. Jakob is just such a great two-way defenseman, and I talked about it in the last episode, so I'll keep this one short, but I think that Jakob would have been an incredible choice for the Jets. Now, it feels like he wasn't really... Uh, held in high regard. I don't know what the mood at this time was as far as high-end NHL scouting is concerned, but I know that over the past few seasons, NHL scouting has gotten a lot more sophisticated. 
the Jets were kind of unfortunate to be in such a young franchise mode at this time because I feel like they didn't really know all of the stuff that you needed to be a really successful high-end franchise. And I think that that kind of hurts them a bit. You know, they had maybe a couple of decent scouts, and some of the picks that they made in this draft were actually excellent picks. But by and large, I feel like the higher they picked, the worse it got for them. Truba is like the only pick that I think that they got particularly good value for in the first couple of rounds. Slavin would have been a game changer for this franchise and easily, easily would have been part of this franchise for almost his entire career so long as he was happy to play in Winnipeg. This dude is just unbelievable. And I, I feel like a first pairing of, of Truba and Slavin as your dominant number one pairing going forward would have been life-altering for Jets fans. You know, it was cool enough having Truba when we did, but I mean, having Slavin as part of that pairing just would have been unbelievable. I mean, you look at what he's accomplished for Carolina, and it's honestly insane. I kind of tend to think that Slavin is maybe not paid as much as he should be. I think that he's a phenomenal two-way defenseman with really smart attacking instincts. Uh, there aren't many guys who play his position that have really sharp offensive instincts and the ability to activate aggressively in the offensive zone, but also track back on defense. Slavin is good at both of those elements, and he's also good at transitioning your play in the middle of the ice, and I feel like just not enough attention has been paid to the fact that he was a fourth-round pick. I know that in a lot of respects, when you draft somebody, it doesn't necessarily matter where that player was taken, but I think when you're talking about extracting value out of later rounds and looking for players who are maybe underrated by certain scouting staffs or scout rankings. You know, a fourth-round pick on Slavin, who has ended up being essentially a franchise defenseman, that's just unbelievable value. At 39th overall, it would have been an absolute coup for the Jets, and I feel like it's just crazy that he fell so far and really wasn't on anyone's radar except the Canes. Carolina was really ahead of the curve, apparently. As an aside, it is kind of funny to see that Carolina actually drafted ahead of him in the second round Phil DiGiuseppe, and that was the pick right before Lucas Sutter. I honestly would have taken DiGiuseppe over Sutter because at least DiGiuseppe made the NHL. You know, Phil is obviously one of those lower tier uh, bottom six guys who I, I think does actually have some decent NHL value. He's not exactly somebody that I would pencil in on a routine basis, but if he's on your fourth line, you could do a lot worse and the Jets absolutely have. But uh, one of the guys that kind of came out of this round that's a little bit interesting that I feel like the Jets maybe would have gotten some pretty decent value out of is Colton Sissons. He went 50th overall to Nashville. Kind of interesting, though, that you have a lot of these depth guys going really high. I mean, even Chris Tierney was taken, and I think Chris Tierney is probably one of the higher-end bottom six guys uh, of the 2012 draft. It's funny because I look back, and it's just this draft is kind of weird. Like, it, it has some really good high-end talent, but the rest of it is just a little bit mediocre. One thing that definitely isn't mediocre is the Built Bar line of protein bars. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a lot softer, chewier, and sweeter than your average protein bar. They've got 16 different flavors, and eight of them are nut-free, so if you've got any allergies, Built Bar has your back. I'm personally a big fan of the mint chocolate one and the, uh, the raspberry one, which I usually don't care for raspberry and chocolate at all. It's not a flavor combo that I usually enjoy, but this one I thought was great. Built Bars do more than just taste great. They've got excellent nutritional value. Most of them are low in calories, around 170 or less depending on the flavor, and have around 30% of your daily protein intake with less than maybe 10% to 15% of your daily fat intake. If you're looking for an amazing alternative that's low in calories, low in fat content, and high in protein, 
you're going to struggle to find anything better than Built Bars. And right now, when you head over to BuiltBar.com, be sure to enter promo code LOCKEDON for a cheeky $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. What are you waiting for? Head on over and grab them now. Winnipeg's next few pick options started at round number three, 70th overall with Scott Kosmichuk. And at this point, a couple of guys are still on the board. Let's assume for uh, craps and giggles that Slavin has been drafted by the Jets, which I don't even think I could imagine how I would feel if that had actually happened, especially knowing what we now know about him and what his career has become. Slavin, though, wasn't the only high-end offensive defenseman taken much later in the draft than he should have been. Uh, Quite a few guys who would have been easily, easily top 10 picks in a redraft, and in fact were in my top 10 redraft, actually fell pretty far, and one of them is in this round a few picks later. I think that the guy that the Jets should have taken with this next pick would have been Colton Pareko. Now, I don't really think I need to introduce Pareko much, because I already talked about him once, and I think that Uh, You know, his body of work suggests pretty much what you expect from him, which is a a top-level defenseman, incredible booming shot. I mean, he's kind of like Rasmus Ristolainen, except actually good at hockey. No offense to Rasmus. The thing that's fascinating about uh, Pareko's story is that he basically came out of relative obscurity. He's a guy who people didn't really know because he came from, I think, an Alaskan team, and people really weren't scouting that far out. Somewhere out there are some Alaskan Aces jerseys, but I think he played college or something up that way, or maybe like in a high school program or a junior development program. Either way, Pareko was somebody who had a ton of physical gifts, and there was some evidence that he was able to use those traits in a very productive manner, but he didn't really uh, appear to be high up on people's radar because he didn't come from like a really well-established program. Obviously, these days, I think that he would have probably been on the map for more than a few teams much higher in the draft than he went. But, you know, let's, let's for argument's sake, say that the Jets take him right after they take Slavin. Winnipeg would have been set for probably a decade in, on defense if they had gotten both Pareko and Slavin on top of Jacob Truba. I mean, how do you even really try to beat a top three pick set like that? And then a little bit later, you're going to get Josh Morrissey. I mean, that's that's a franchise high-end, best defense in the NHL kind of core. You could literally put me out there who doesn't know how to skate at all uh, on on the third pairing, and that defense would probably still carry the team. I mean, it's that good. It's just insane that these guys were available so late. You know, when the worst top four offensive defenseman, you know, option for drafting is going to be Shane Gostisbehere around the same pick, I mean, you're, you're doing pretty flipping good for yourself, man. You know, Gostisbehere in his prime, which I, he might still be in his prime if he recovers this season or next, I don't really know. I think he might be, I think we've seen the best of him, generally speaking, but he's obviously a very talented player, and Philadelphia, when they drafted him, got a really sterling and interesting prospect. But man, Colton Pareko would have been life-altering for this team. I, I think that they would have just been on a totally different level. And you have a guy like Dustin Bufflin already, Toby Enstrom, the ghost of Mark Stewart, who you could probably bench. I mean, you have a decent enough core already, uh, barring a few notable exceptions. I mean, Ron Hansey is Ron Hansey and whatever, but you, you can you can make a lot of uh, lemonade out of these particular veterans and a few lemons here and there with an injection of youth. Talk about setting up your team's success for years to come. I mean, that would have been a dominant defense, probably the best in the league, 
and it would have made Carolina look so much less impressive. Instead, we got Scott Kosmachuk and Lucas Sutter, which, a little bit of heartbreak. Winnipeg didn't get to choose again until round five, and this is where they took Connor Hellebuck. Now, I I think looking at the names on the board, uh, there's no reason not to stick with the Hellebuck pick. The best guys left included names like Colin Miller, Alexander Kerfoot. I guess you could have an argument for Ben Hutton. Um, Linus Olmark, maybe? Riley Barber, Vinny Henestrosa. I mean, you're, you're starting to really, really, really dig deep. Now, there is an argument for a guy like maybe Nikita Gusev, Christian Jews, uh, a couple of those types of players. But I, I really think that if you're going to draft somebody, and especially at a position of need, which for Winnipeg is definitely goaltending, Hellebuck was an amazing pick. And I love, I love, love, love this choice because I think that he had a lot of different attributes and traits about him that made him a potentially successful future starter. He was big. It was technically sound in a lot of respects for a college kid and a younger junior kid. He had a lot of potential to be a big, blocky, modern NHL goaltender. There was just a lot to like in this game, and I think when you think about the total value that he brings to his team, especially in a season like this, I just don't think that there's an argument that you take anyone else, especially with the names that were on the board at this time. You know, this late in the draft, there's no guarantee that Hellebuck would have still been there given the potential changes in our simulated, you know, what-if kind of magical draft. But let's assume that Hellebuck was still around, and the rest of the guys, for the most part, were still around as well. I just don't see a scenario where you turn Hellebuck down. He's basically been Winnipeg's, I would say, linchpin to anything that they do this season. They haven't really been a competitive squad for the most part until the past few weeks, Uh, of the season right before they suspended, and Hellebuck was carrying them hardcore. I just think that for the total value of the remaining guys in the draft, I I don't know that the Jets really could have done much better than pick Hellebuck. I think that that was 100% the right call. We are now getting to the, well, rather butt end of the draft, and there's not a whole lot of guys available of, of note, but At pick 160 in round 6, the Jets actually had quite a few okay options. Now, they took Ryan Olsen, and Olsen, of course, never made the Jets, and he's not even in Winnipeg's system anymore, as far as I know. So, who could they have gotten that would have been a notable improvement? Well, I think that they had a couple of interesting choices. There's Tomas Hika, and I think Hika got drafted by LA, and Hika is currently with Vegas. He has played a few games for them, and was actually pretty decent in a fourth-line role, but... You know, I, I'm, I wouldn't say that there's a huge sample size that suggests he's a really high-end player. The name that I would probably gravitate towards here is Vinny Henestrosa, who Chicago took. Now, Henestrosa is a, a decent bottom six forward and somebody that I think would have been perfect as, like, a good attacking fourth liner, maybe even a decent third liner. He's not exactly a guy that I would be paying a first-round pick for, but I think that as far as adding significant offensive depth and skill to your grinder lines... I think that Hindestroza would have been perfect. In 246 career games, he's amassed 100 points, which is actually not bad, I have to say. I think for for what Hindestroza is expected to do, he's been very decent. He's not exactly like a high-end play driver or a defensive specialist, but again, when you're picking somebody from like the sixth round, getting that much value out of a, a, a sixth round punt pick, basically, is pretty impressive. Now, the other option the Jets could have gone with that I would have been very happy with is Matt Benning. 
Benning's been a very decent defenseman throughout his career, usually in like a lower-end second-pairing role, maybe even a high-end third-pairing role, but Benning is like your ideal number four or five defenseman. He's got solid skating, he's got a pretty decent shot. I think his primary specialty is, is more in the defensive side of things, but he can transition your play out of the back. He's a decent enough defenseman, and out of a sixth-round pick, you really can't ask for more than getting an actual bona fide quality NHLer, which is exactly what Benning is. I feel like he's like the next Tucker Pullman type if you're if you're trying to look for some kind of com- comparison to base your uh, judgment on. I think Gusev would have been somebody that the Jets would have liked maybe now, but back then they probably weren't thinking too much about taking somebody like him. Gusev went super late anyways, and I think that he probably, more than anyone else, had the highest upside of this remaining crop. But, given where Winnipeg tends to look and who they like to draft, I can imagine Henestrosa being the more favorable choice to them. And as dumb as this is going to sound, I actually think that that option would maybe be smarter, just because Henestrosa made the NHL a lot faster, and it took years for Gusev to actually leave the KHL and come overseas. Do you really think he would have come to Winnipeg? I don't think so. He was in a posh, plush environment, relatively speaking, to the confines of Jets territory, so I think that, you know, he didn't, he wouldn't really have had much of an incentive to move overseas to come play for the Jets. It's not anything against the city, I just think that where he was and the situation he was in, it would have taken something special to drag him away from it, especially at his younger age. Now, you know, he's a little bit older and he's a little bit wiser and knows a bit more and maybe would have taken the chance but he's also like 27 or 28, so Winnipeg would have been waiting years to finally get him, and he would have basically been a free agent by this point. If the Jets had picked someone like Henestrosa or Benning, I would have been totally okay with that, because those guys have had decently lengthy NHL careers already, while this is actually Gusev's first season. Sometimes you have to pick the guy who's actually going to play for you, and both Benning and Henestrosa are a lot more likely to play for the Jets than Gusev ever would have been. Our last pick is going to be round number 7 at 190th overall, and there are some interesting choices, including Nikita Gusev. But I'm going to skip Gusev just because I really don't think he would have played for the Jets. As good as he is, again, not somebody that I would be relying on. The options here could have been Christian Jews, uh, Joaquim Ryan, and I, I think that's pretty much it that I would be interested in taking, unless for some reason you really want Jacob Megna. But again, I think it comes down to Joaquim Ryan and Christian Jews. I would probably lean Jews here. I think Jews is the better defenseman in some respects. I think that he's got a really decent offensive game. He's only 25 this year, so he's obviously a little bit younger. I'm pretty sure than he than uh, Ryan is, and he's a very smooth skating, smart and intelligent defenseman, which the Jets love. And he's also Scandinavian, and Winnipeg loves Scandinavian skaters. He has some shades of like Toby Enstrom in this game in that he's a smaller guy with really sharp uh, defensive IQ, but he also has an eye towards the net. I think that he's got very good passing and distribution, and his vision to set up his teammates is pretty decent. Or at least all of this was true when he was playing really well. Over the past year or so, his game has definitely taken something of a hit, and I can't really explain whether it's just injuries, a little bit of inconsistency, all of the changes around him. Whatever it is, Jews really hasn't been as good as he used to be. That said, fast forward to now, and he'd be like Winnipeg's third best defenseman, so I really feel like he would have been an excellent choice in the seventh round. Instead, we got Jamie Phillips, and I had actually had hope for Phillips at one point. I thought he might be an NHL backup at some point. That unfortunately never panned out, and I don't even know what he's doing these days. But Jews and Ryan are both 
definite, definite NHLers, and I believe they are both playing in like third pairing roles. So pretty decent defensemen that you could choose from there, and they would have rounded out Winnipeg's back end pretty nicely. Hopefully y'all enjoyed this blast from the past. If you want to dispute any of my picks, be sure to hit me at HLLivingLoco on Twitter or hit the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets with your alternative history picks. I'm sure that you all have very opinionated takes and you want to share them with me, so be sure to get at me. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out our national Locked On NHL show hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much. Have a great night and go Jets go.